Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. A little bit of an update. Last week, for those of you who were here, um, I shared a story, an honest story, about me on the sidelines of my son's soccer and how I was very vocal and how I'm like, am I becoming that dad that kind of yells at their kids from the sideline? And some of you probably judged me, I know my wife did, um, until she came this Saturday and stood on the sidelines with me and she was louder than me. So between us, we've got a little bit of a problem and um, we will be seeking your support um, to work through that as well. But uh, I want to give you a a huge welcome. We're we're just absolutely delighted um, with what God is doing in the life of this church, the people that we have here, uh, the lives that we're seeing transformed. Um, We are just absolutely over the moon and we just want to thank you for being part of that today in this place. Also, I want to give a shout out to Ben, first week on uh, guitar, and also Aiden on piano. Thank you so much, uh, guys. Really, really, really love that. Uh, I'm going to um, start by reading some scripture. Is that okay? And you can join along with me in whatever version that you have. The version that I have will be up on the screen, so you can read along there. But you can turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3. And this is going to be exciting. This is going to be fun. We're going to be launching a, the start of a new series, and I'll tell you what that's about. Uh, but this is really, really cool. We're going to be reading James 3, 1 to 12, and I'll be reading in the NLT. So you can read if you have a paper Bible or in a Bible app, or you can just read along uh, with the, the words. Are they, they working? Okay, well... They're not working. We, we've got one of the best guys. If you've got a tech issue we, in the world, one of the best guys in the world, um, Seth Cleaver working on that. So he's a champion. All right, so you can just listen or read along. I love this. This is a really, really amazing passage of Scripture. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the, ter- in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Pretty heavy stuff, right? People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless 
and evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for what you've revealed to us in your word. And we thank you that your presence is here, your Holy Spirit is here. We pray that as we open uh, this passage, as we uh, join in together, as we connect our hearts and our minds with your word, we pray that we would be transformed and changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to introduce a new series, and the series is called The World of Words. The World of Words. That's the new series. And the idea is, is this. We make worlds with our words. That we have creative power with our speech. In this passage, James talks about our tongues. What we say has a tangible ability, the ability to make a tangible change in our atmosphere. We have creative power. We build environments, we build atmospheres with our words. And it's a key way that we are created, as the Bible says, in the image of God. It's a key way that we're different from animals and other created beings is we have the power to create atmospheres and change environments with our tongues. And we also have a choice in what we're building. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I want to take, ask you to take a moment just to reflect on your own personal experience. Right now, just take a couple of minutes just to reflect about different environments, different atmospheres, even different places that you go, you quite often have a sense of what you're going to encounter when you go to that place. Like some of you, maybe um, you've been in an environment, maybe at times you've been in a workplace that has been toxic because of the words that are spoken. Maybe you have a friendship that is life-giving. You look forward to catching up with that person because you know that the atmosphere or the environment they'll, they'll create with their words is positive. Maybe there's a situation, a place or a group of people that is volatile. You never know what you're going to get. You could get something that's, you could have a really great experience or you could have a really terrible experience and it's on a knife's edge about what you get. What, what are your experiences? How does an environment, how does a place that you go shape your mood or emotions because of the atmosphere that is there? And think about this. How does a place that you go change the words that you speak? Do you change how you speak, how you interact because of an environment that you're in? These are all kind of challenging thoughts. So think about that. Think about different environments 
Think about different worlds. Also think about different words. I think we can all say yes to these questions. Have you ever hurt somebody with your words? The answer is yes. If you don't know, the answer for you is yes, you have. (laughs) You have or you're either not very self-aware, but you have. Have you ever said a careless word? Have you ever received a careless word? Someone's given you a careless word and you've put that careless word deep into your heart and you've carried that careless or that thoughtless word. I know I have at times. Someone said something off the cuff and I've kind of sewed it on my heart as a label, what was meant to just be something that was supposed to float by in the wind. I've done that. Are you addicted to being right with your words? That's a good question. Do you have to be right? And some of you maybe have either hurt others or you've been hurt by words that weren't said. There was silence when there needed to be something said. These are We're talking about something that's significant, the effect of our words, the world that our words create. So here's three questions. What kind of world are your words creating? If you did a bit of an audit, there's a couple of questions up there. What effects do your words have on the people around you? Have you ever asked that question? That's a dangerous question. The last question is probably the most dangerous. What's it like to be on the other side of your words? That is a great question to ask in key relationships, but probably buckle up because it will get a little bit, uh, a little bit crazy if you were to ask that. I mean, not for us because I'm a pastor, um, <laughs> but for other couples and other key, key relationships. Um, it says at the front, it says, I, th- I read that first p- passage of James 3 that p- pastors are perfect, teachers are perfect. Is that how you interpreted that, the Bible scholars in the place? What's it like to be on the other side of your words? This is a serious question because we're talking about a serious issue. And so we're all challenged in the area of our words. This goes beyond personality type. This is not about optimists or pessimists. This is, um, you know, all different people. And it goes beyond circumstances. Your circumstances don't justify the way that you talk. Definitely they will put you under pressure, but you can't justify your behaviour and the words that are coming out based on your circumstances. God is calling us to something higher and we're talking about that. And I do want to, I said this before, but it goes beyond pessimists and optimists because optimists have problems with words too and I'm going to spend a week talking about that and I know because I am an optimist and I have, there are some unique issues that optimists face with their words. So I want to give you two movies that describe where we're not going with this series. So two movies, the first one coming up, the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. In the Lego movie, at times you can, prepare, you can pretend that problems don't exist. So this is not what we're talking about because the Bible has a lot of real things to say about real people and we'll talk about the right way to handle difficult situations with emotional authenticity. Because we see that in the Bible, particularly in the Psalms. And we're going to be talking about that. And uh, that 
uh, we're going to be talking in particular on a biblical and healthy way to vent. And uh, the Psalms has a lot to say about that. So that's going to be awesome. The next one is Twilight. Okay, Twilight. We're not pretending that everything is awesome and we're also not sucking the life out of everything around us. So somewhere in between those. So we're going to be opening the Bible together. Um, We're going to be talking about venting. We're going to be talking about grumbling and why it's so destructive to our faith. uh, Next week, my dad, Pastor John, will be talking about self-talk. And I think he's got some credibility in the midst of a cancer journey to be talking about how do we talk about what kind of worlds are we creating for ourselves in our own minds. That's going to be encouraging. And we're going to be talking about the problem for optimists and gossip and a lot, lot more. Did you hear that we're going to be talking about gossip? Did you? Did you hear that? Don't tell anyone else. (laughs) I'm having fun. Okay, so... Why do we want to talk about words? Well, the reason that we want to talk about words in our church at this time is because we, as a church, one of the key images to understand this church is the family table, a place to belong. There's one family table where we're all invited. Now, when you have people who are getting closer in terms of family and belonging and proximity, what are you going to get you're going to get relational conflict you're going to get um, people just when people hang out with other people they don't always get along and also we want this atmosphere of this church to be life-giving so we've got to go on this journey where we're like okay we're going to take some responsibility for the words that are coming out of our mouths because we want to create this great life-giving atmosphere so that when people walk through these doors, they'll go, there's something different. I don't know what it is. And we're going to go, we know what it is. We've created this great atmosphere with our words. We've created this environment. We've created this world. But also, you get to do this in your own relationships. You get to do this in your own households and homes. You get to create great environments, no matter what the challenges. At the moment, one of our, Beck and I, we have uh, three wonderful kids who don't do a great job at listening. So we feel like we're on repeat asking the same questions uh, over and over. And so we want to, uh, I see a witness up at the back, I see an amen. There's a few around there. And so how do you, you know, I think we're, I'm saying we're all on this journey together of navigating how we create great atmospheres with our words. And so we need to understand that the primary uh, definition of the church in the Bible is about relationships. So to do relationships really well, we have to do words really well. Does that make sense? So I've kind of set the scene. So we're going to jump into this passage in James, and it could get a little bit bumpy. But first of all, how annoying would it be to be the brother of Jesus? So this is James writing this. I've got two older uh, siblings and they are way better than me. They, I had all the trouble growing up. Um, I, they were pretty much perfect. But can you imagine being, uh, having Jesus as a brother? And uh, that would be very annoying because he would never get in trouble. He would always say the right thing. But it's pretty amazing that 
James was Peter's brother, uh, sorry, Jesus's brother. But for a brother to acknowledge that their brother was the son of God, that's a pretty big thing, right? That's a pretty compelling argument. And so Jesus, uh, so James, after his relationship with Jesus, he concludes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he writes this uh, amazing book. And unlike anyone else, he integrates the words and teachings of Jesus into these writings because of the proximity of his relationship. So it's very, very fascinating as you would read this. But one thing as we go into looking at James and this passage and talking about words is that James sees a very close relationship between words and works and motives. So what's going on in the heart? There's a very, very close relationship here. And we're going to jump straight into the verse in the middle of the passage that I read. And uh, it's James 3, the second part of verse 5 and verse 6. It says, But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it itself is set on fire by hell. Or it is set on fire by hell itself. Now this is pretty, pretty heavy stuff, right? And I'm going to unpack this a little bit. But the first thing that I want to say is we cannot underestimate the power of our words. We cannot underestimate them. We are not left in any doubt from this passage about the potency and the potential for destruction and destructive power from our words. One of my favorite commentators, R. Kent Hughes, says, Our words and our tongue can legitimately boast of its disproportionate power to determine human destiny. Think about some of the great crimes committed in humanity. Think about Hitler. Where was his power? His power was in his words and the ideas that he had behind those words. There is incredible destructive power and incredible influence in our words. The other thing that we need to understand is that our words have eternal and spiritual consequences. Jesus himself says in Matthew 12:37, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So our words have the power and what we say our confession our words have the power to determine our eternal destiny whether we choose to align ourselves, unite ourselves with Jesus or whether we choose to reject God and Jesus and the Spirit and spend an eternity in hell without God. This is really, really sobering and significant stuff. And James says that our words are continually fueled by hell. This is heavy, right? But we'll smile. I'll say it with a smile. Our words are continually fueled by hell. So the word that he uses is this word Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was an actual place. And historically, it was a site of child sacrifice and um, pagan worship. 
And then more around the time of Jesus, it became the garbage dump of Jerusalem. So all the refuge there and the bodies of dead criminals would be thrown to Gehenna. And it was a place that there was always fires that were lit there. So it was uh, refuge, it was waste, and it was constantly burning. And so here's this kind of idea and this, this word that our tongues, our words are filthy fires. Now, I know this is pretty heavy, but this is what James is saying because he doesn't want us to estimate the destructive power of our words. And here's what he's saying. Our words are filthy fires that will burn us and those near us. Okay, this is good news. We'll get, we'll get to it. But our words are filthy fires. If we don't do anything about it, our words are filthy fires that will burn us and those near us. And as we've been reflecting, who has ever been burned by a word or burned, actually impacted? I have. Who's burned someone else with their words? Yes, I definitely have. And so... James is saying, hey, you guys have got to take this very seriously. Our words are destructive. Our words can be combustible. They can be easily set ourselves on fire and set others on fire. And we've got to ask ourselves a question. Are we really interested in controlling our own words? Or do we really want our words to be used to control others? I think that's a important question because I, I think we just want other people to do what we want them to be do to do most of the time or maybe that's just me that we, we we're less concerned about personal responsibility and we just want others to do what we want them to do or we just want to say things that make us feel good rather than have a positive effect on the people around us so our words are filthy fires that will burn us and those near us. So we might say a couple of things. We might say, I'm not all bad. They're up there. I can control my words. And I have good words sometimes. We might say these things. And we've got to remember that in this passage, James is talking to Christians. He's talking to people in the church. And he's saying, hey, People in the church, he's actually saying teachers, starting off with leaders and teachers in the church. He's saying, your, your words are not good. And, and we come back and say, well, I'm maybe 50% good or maybe I'm 60% good or if I'm having a good day, I'm 70% good. And so we, we, we justify our words with these statements. But here's what James says. We say, I'm not all bad. James says, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. He says you can't be half bad. You can say, I can control my words. And James says, no, you can't. No one can tame the tongue. And we say, I have good words. And sometimes, and James is saying, I think, which is all of us, that at times, like today we're singing these worship praises, but... During the week, we'll have a situation where we may 
curse or we may say something or we may use our words with a violent effect. And this is all of us. This is every single one of us. And he lands on this troubling conclusion that our words are filthy fires that burn us and those near us. So James starts this passage very optimistically and he talks about self-control. And he says, if only we had self-control. Verse 2, the second part. For if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. So the solution, self-control. If I had self-control, I could control my tongue. That's one idea. The second idea that James presents is the problem is the idea that we have a damaged heart. We have a damaged heart. James 3, 11 says, Does water spring, does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Proverbs 4, 23 describes the heart as the spring of life that we've got a duty to protect the quality of what is coming up from within us. And I told you this was good news and I'm going to tell you why. But before we get to the good news, we have to, and I encourage you, I can't make you, but I exhort you that we don't have enough goodness, enough power, enough self-control to tame our tongue, to control our words without help. And unless we come to that point where we're, where we're okay to say, well, you know, we say, oh, well, I'm not half, I, I, I'm good, I have my good days and my bad days. If you think you have your good days and your bad days, why do you need Jesus? But God is calling us and says, hey, I want you to recognize that without me, your good days, you're still going to hurt a lot of people. You're still going to hurt yourself. And so James here, this passage finishes, you might say it finishes a little abruptly. But what we know that is revealed in the Bible, what we know about the character of Jesus, the message of Jesus is that James is pushing us towards grace and life in the Spirit. That's what he's doing. It's really, really powerful. And to change our words, we need to do three things, or three main things. The first thing that we need to do is we need to repent. If we don't acknowledge that we have an issue, then God can't help us. If we don't face up to the fact that our words are damaging people and they're damaging us and they're burning us and they're burning people and that without Jesus, we, we can't do this by ourselves. If we don't face up to that, we will never be able to get help. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to repent to get a changed heart. The second thing that we need to do is to receive the grace of Jesus. Now, if you're um, like me, you've been, uh, some of you have been Christian for a little while, uh, some of you not as long, 
But sometimes we feel like we need a bit of a run-up. You know, we need, we need to, um, you know, get a, get a couple of runs on the board before we come to Jesus. Like have a string a couple of good days in a row. It makes us feel better about coming to Jesus. At least that's me. But God's saying, you just, where you are, you need to acknowledge that you've got a problem. And when I say you, I say we, like everybody, even the nicest person here. Who's the nicest person you can think of this room? Patty's putting her hand up. Um, <laughs> Patty, you are a lovely person. <laughs> that was great. It's one for the archives. I'll remember that, Patty. Uh, so, yeah. We need to receive grace and know that we can't be good enough. And then we need to live with the Spirit. So we need to recognize that, yes, we need self-control, but not of our own producing. We need the the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And we need the life of the Spirit. And so I want to encourage you. Now, this is not something that I can pray. Um, I can't get my Jesus wand over you and and sprinkle you um, with magical powers or powder. This is, um, that's false teaching, okay? I wasn't serious, all right? This is something that is a daily pursuit. This is a daily decision. This is something that you say each day, God, I need your help. I recognize that even on my best day, I can't control my words. I need your help. And so I give you permission to help me during this day. And this is not a pill. We can't immunize you today for the rest of your life. But we want to encourage you to do a life by grace and with the Holy Spirit. A life with the Holy Spirit. How good is that? So you don't have to carry this whole burden every day of your life, but you just have to say, God, every day I need your help. I'm sorry. Some of you, as a result of this, some of you might need to apologize to somebody, might need to make something right, maybe even from the past, maybe from a long time ago. Some of you, well, all of us, we just need to say, hey, I I get it wrong. Even as James says, Even the teachers, even the pastor, I don't have perfect words despite what my wife will tell you. I'm just a person. I'm joking again. You can laugh. Don't have to. Um, But we want to do this. We want to do this for ourselves, for our inner peace. We want to do this for our key relationships. We want to do this so that we can represent Jesus really well. So that when people know that you have faith in Jesus, they also can hear that by the way that you talk to others and the way that you talk to them. And also, we want our church to be shaped and the atmosphere of this place to be life-giving. And so we're going to learn to go on this journey to be intentional. Yes, we do need to have self-control. Some of you will learn need to learn to speak up and others of you at times will need to be, learn to when to be quiet. And to do that, that's not a formula. I can't give you a list of a hundred scenarios. But Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to walk alongside you, to guide you. So we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the self-control. 
And so what I'm inviting you to do, and some of you probably already do this, but I'm inviting you into a daily rhythm, a daily flow of connecting with God on this issue. Just a simple prayer. And some of you, you uh, I don't know where you're at, you may have a regular time where you read the Bible and pray. We don't do this to make God feel happy about himself, but we do this because we want to live by the Spirit and we want to live in the Spirit's life so that we don't set stuff on fire in a bad way. We don't burn others. And so uh, tomorrow I'm going to send out an email with some Bible plans and some helpful things around prayer. Now you may be uh, all over this. I know that some uh, people who have been uh, in church for a long time, maybe you may even been in church and you've fallen out of a great rhythm in this area. But as a church, the only way that we can do this is lifestyle, is a Jesus lifestyle, not a Sunday experience. I'm going to pray for us. I believe that the power of Jesus will uh, fill you afresh as I pray. But the only way that we can do this is through a Jesus lifestyle that makes space, that puts life on pause. Just let me pause for a second. Let me ask God. Let me connect with God. It doesn't have to be a certain length or amount of time, but it's just a willingness and an acknowledgement that we need help in this area. Can we pray together? What don't you um, bow your heads as we pray? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came for us, that we actually have the ability to make change in this area. God, we're sorry for the times that we've hurt others with our words. And Lord, those that you're prompting by your spirit to, uh, to reach out, to apologize. Lord, we pray you'd give them the courage to, to take those steps. But Lord, we, we receive your grace and we choose to live life in the spirit. To imagine a future where our words are life-giving. Where the atmosphere we create in our homes, in our workplaces in this church, in our relationships, for those that are married, in their marriages, life-giving places. Lord, I pray for those that right now might be even struggling with all the mistakes that they've ever made in the area of words. Lord, you release them from that by your grace and your grace covers that. That's not the intention, but the intention is that we move forward together. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.